0: Picture this. You're flying through the galaxy at hundreds of light-years per second, dressed in your finest red and black latex spacesuit. You've got legendary crew members like Captain Jean-Luc Picard and Commander William Riker by your side. You're on board the one and only USS Enterprise in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, and you're learning… startup business lessons? Wait… What does Star Trek have to do with startups? For most viewers, probably nothing. Unless your startup is working on making intergalaxy exploration a reality, in which case, can I join you? So yeah, aside from my dream company, the long-running sci-fi TV show isn't exactly teaching us much about acquiring customers, building tech products, or funding the next big thing. That is, unless you're Sarah Downey. Sarah is a VC and sci-fi nerd who thought the next generation would be rife with lessons that startups could stand to learn so rife that she decided to watch the entire series, episode by episode, and find a lesson that applies to startups, business, and or technology in each one. She chronicles her findings in a blog appropriately called Startup Trek. It's nerdy, it's educational, it's far out. It's unthinkable. Stories of conventional thinking at work and the people who dare to question it. I'm unthinkable producer Tally Gabriel. Startup Trek made me think of a problem I come across all the time in my writing, a problem most people come across if you work in the same field for long enough. What do you do when you feel like you're doing the same task over and over and over? Maybe you're a B2B writer, and maybe you have to write a different, engaging article about chatbots every single week. Not necessarily speaking from experience, but maybe speaking from experience. Maybe you're a chef coming up with nightly specials based on what's in season. Maybe you've given yourself the task of connecting a startup lesson to every single episode of The Next Generation and writing engaging blog posts about it for your audience. How do you bring your full self to your work, all of your unique, smart, creative energy, and create a consistently good product every darn time? I don't know about you, but there are times when I'll feel almost afraid to visit a project because I'm so out of ideas. Of course, that's not the way any job works, right? You have to keep showing up and doing the work, even when you feel about as inspired as a tree stump. And Sarah is an incredible example of someone who sticks with her mission and consistently creates funny, insightful, and poignant work. Even when writing a startup track post seems like just about the hardest thing to do that day. I had to pick her brain about how she does it. But in order to learn how she does it, I first had to learn how and why she started in the first place. Well,
1: I am a big fan of science fiction generally. And so so I play a lot of video games. I read a lot of books. I love movies and shows. And I, I go to nerd conventions and do cosplay as well. So I'm, I'm really in this universe. And despite that, I've never really seen star trek like i have seen a couple episodes growing up my dad was a fan of the next generation specifically so like i knew who captain picard was and i and i knew that there was this mythos around the show but for whatever reason it's like a big investment to jump in and be like well i'm in for 176
0: episodes like right now when you talk to people who haven't watched game of thrones and they're like well i can never just start yeah
1: Exactly, right? It's like a, it's like an odyssey. But I felt like I was missing something as a human being who is a fan of, of sci-fi. It's just like canon. And so I always felt kind of guilty about that. Plus, you know, my dad likes it. My dad has good taste in this kind of stuff and introduced me to a lot of it. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. But because I have a ton of work and you know, I, I'm always trying to do things that have at least a tiny argument that the, that they're productive. I figured, all right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to just like put it out there publicly that I'm going to watch every single episode and I'm going to give myself the task of pulling one lesson that is relevant to my work universe from each. And that, that seemed like, you know, one. I, I'm very black and white. So if I commit to doing something, I'm going to do it. So yeah, I'm just, I'm on this, this journey now.
0: Yeah. Do you think giving yourself that goal gave you the accountability to really watch all of it? Did it sort of stem from that idea? Yes. Yeah,
1: it, it definitely did. And, um, you know, even if I'm I'm putting the stake in the ground to do it. And and I'm also saying I don't commit to these being any length. I don't commit to them being particularly great. Like some of them are going to suck. Some of them are going to be embarrassing. But I think having the motivation and the impetus to write every day, or for me, it's not every day with this. It's like a couple times a week, maybe. It's just to do it just the act of doing it, I find cathartic and fun. And I wanted to set something up where I have up an excuse to do it all the time.
0: Now, I too have never seen The Next Generation. And after talking with Sarah, it's clear that I need to. But even with limited, uh, zero knowledge of Picard and his ship, I can read one of Sarah's posts and get sucked in by her writing style and the overall message. Often we get worried about being too niche or specific when creating things for fear of alienating, no pun intended, some members of our audience. And while broader is sometimes better, following that itch to create something super specific that resonates with you can often open just the right doors. I'm a big
1: fangirl of different things and, um, it's just kind of who I am. Like I'm, I always wear a lot of like reference T-shirts of movies and shows and games and things that I like. Um, so for me, my my work and my life are very intertwined. Like my some of the founders that I back are my friends, and like I go to Comic Con every year in San Diego with a bunch of friends who are also VCs. And so for me, I put who I am out in the universe, and it has served me well so far. Like I attract. The kinds of people who appreciate that, and and I'm just I just like being authentic. I feel like life is too short not to put that stuff out, and then it's worked well. You know, I, I think I attract the right people and people who I work
0: well and vibe well with. Unfortunately, bringing your whole self to a corporate setting isn't always welcomed. Some of Sarah's early employers couldn't see beyond her bright hair, facial piercings, and graphic T-shirts. I think there's a lot
1: of. Pressure to hide who you are and be a professional human being. Like you come out of college, and at least in my case, you're you're like, well, I'm supposed to write these cover letters, and they're supposed to start with dirt, dear, dear sir or madam, and I and I wear a suit, and I'm very robotic. And the reality is that hampers your ability to get a job or to get a promotion. Like there isn't enough authenticity. In the world, like people are craving a legitimate human interaction, whether it's on a board or a job interview or whatever. So, I, you know, I actually was a lawyer before I ended up in in well working at startups and then ultimately as a VC. And I couldn't do it because it was the most suppressive environment for for creativity and self expression. Even like what you could wear, they I remember as a condition of employment. Um, I, I dyed my hair bright red at the time and I had like a nose ring and a tongue ring. So it was pretty out there, but I remember them telling me that I had to take my nose ring and my tongue ring out for that job. And I was like, "Mm, this is probably not a good start to this, to this thing. And I'm, and I'm pretty out there as far as when I have an interest, everybody kind of knows it and hears about it, but it's, it's been really helpful because I, like, I know I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but The right people who appreciate me find me, and I I think that that's a really valuable thing for anybody in any job. Um, Just put out who you are and don't be afraid to do that because you attract the people who like you, and that's really all that matters.
0: To boldly go into your industry where no one has gone before is sometimes easier said than done. But one thing that helps is having something grounding you along the way. A couple of episodes ago, Jay talked with James Miller of A Small Fiction about this concept of anchors and tethers. When you're creating anything, it helps to have these grounding ideas in place that keep you on course with what you're making. We're calling these anchors. They are the fundamental concepts of your creation. So with Sarah, for example, Star Trek, an anchor. The lessons she's pulling from each episode. All of these things are her anchors. And the tethers are the creative ways she keeps coming back to them throughout the process. We're finding more and more ways that these anchors and tethers are a crucial part of being able to produce and produce and produce without getting lost in your own ideas along the way. They seem pretty necessary to consistently creating, well, anything.
1: When I come to a place of, I don't know what to say, I think it's okay to say that. Like, I think some of the best ones are when I've said, you know what, I have absolutely nothing smart to say about this, so I'm going to talk about this thing. And then once I've kind of made that decision and start talking about whatever I've decided to talk about, it, it actually ends up okay. I think my personal style is really honest more than anything. And that that is a, I guess, a guidepost, or what did you call it? Like a... An anchor, but guidepost is great as yeah. well.
0: Like
1: be honest to the point of even being self-deprecating when it's authentic.
0: It- yeah, <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense. And do you think that helps people give you, you know, honest responses and just makes it overall a more genuine interaction? Oh, oh, absolutely. And I
1: also think it, it goes pretty far in venture capital because this is this is a finance industry, and despite not being from the finance world and somehow ending up here, there's a lot of vestiges of like old school kind of like boys club lofty people who are like hyper-professional blue blazer wearing people. And I do not fit in in that universe at all. And like not only am I often the only woman in the room for these things, but I'm often the youngest woman in the room. And like there there's a a hunger i think especially for founders to connect with investors who are
0: human beings sarah has to watch a billion episodes of the same show well maybe not a billion but a ton of episodes of this one show then write a blog post about it and try to find a startup lesson how the hell does anyone do that I'd run away screaming from this project after two episodes and find any other show to watch on Netflix immediately, please. Sarah deserves a huge amount of kudos for her commitment. It's not easy to consistently show up for anything, no matter how much you think you might love it at first. A favorite teacher of mine wants to find commitment as a willingness to be uncomfortable in order to produce results. Even when we embark on a project we're super passionate about, annoying snags come up along the way that would easily deter plenty of us from finishing the job. Say the subscription service Sarah was using to watch the episodes raise their prices. Maybe her computer crashes one day and an almost done draft is lost. All of these things are just small snags that she risks running into besides the mega hurdle of having to do this over and over and over without getting to a point where she wishes she'd never heard of the USS Enterprise. When we create something consistently, when we put different versions of the same thing into the world, we run the risk of getting stuck very, very easily. Let's face it, as much as we'd like to be, no one is just a constant good idea machine. Sometimes you have to deliver a blog post, a podcast episode, a song, a graphic design, you name it, in order to put food on the table, and your deadlines rarely wait for a moment of divine inspiration to hit. But just pumping out uninspired content is a great way to find yourself in a state of stagnation. Stagnation happens when we get complacent with our work. Slowly but surely, we put less effort, and then less effort, and then less effort into our work... And then complacency starts to become our new meter for good enough. It's a terrible pit to fall into and one that can happen all too easily if creators get understandably tired or frustrated with their consistent projects. So what do you do then? What does Sarah do when a brilliant lesson isn't totally obvious in an episode, but she can't churn out mediocre posts?
1: My bar is pretty broad as far as a lesson. So I'm saying that I can pull a lesson out as long as it has to do with startups, technology, entrepreneurship, or investing. And those are super broad categories. Each of those four is really broad. So for example, if I'm really stuck and there's nothing I can think of, and I haven't talked about, say the phasers that they use yet, like that could be one, you know, or if I'm really stuck, I could do the transporter or something. So, so far I haven't been stuck on an idea, I've been more stuck on executing the idea. Like I know I'm going to talk about this topic, but I
0: just don't have like a ton of motivation to talk about it because I didn't love the episode. Sure, sure, sure. And what do you do to help find the motivation when you come across that? Just procrastinate
1: and have a huge amount of coffee (laughs) and then just sit down
0: and start banging
1: it out. Even if it's not in a fully formed like way, just put out a couple of words even, and then just go back and fill out the skeleton of the outline. And again, like some of these that I've done, I think I've done about 18 so far. Some of them I'm proud of. And some of them I'm like, this is a piece of garbage. (laughs) I'm just putting it out in the universe because for good or for bad, it's just, it is a reflection of me and my personality. And that's what I'm trying to help people see as I go on this quest. Um, Plus it's been, I've been getting really good feedback from it too. Like people have sent me, they've pitched me companies just because they've seen this. Um, It's gotten me like an instant bond with people who otherwise we might have some awkward small talk right off the bat, but then they'll be like, Hey, are you doing that Star Trek thing? And it's like, Oh, thank God. We We can. Oh, totally.
0: Yeah. Right. That must be a great icebreaker.
1: Oh, Oh, totally. And especially like, the generation one older than me, like I guess I'm technically a millennial, but I'm on the, the older end of that. But the generations um, beyond me, it, it's been a really good thing to bond over because everybody everybody knows Star Trek, particularly the,
0: the next generation. Right, right. And so when you've gotten this good feedback and this this following from readers, do you feel any sort of pressure to, you know, deliver something good for them the next time and to keep them invested?
1: Yeah, I, I feel pressure more around cadence than quality because part of it is, yeah, I, I have I have a self-imposed quality bar where I'm just, I don't want to put something out in the universe if it really, truly sucks. Um, but it's kind of like, I almost feel this compulsion to be trite. Like when you're writing about a lesson, it, it can fall into this, this tone of feeling like a, a, a moral of the story. And I, I do want to give people useful lessons around those four topics. Like, I don't want to write this just to say obvious things and check a box and be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm constantly like, I can feel myself tilting towards things that are sort of boring and then pushing myself to be authentic and specific, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, do you have an example of a time when you had to do that? Yeah, so there was one episode that I
1: found pretty kitschy. It uh, was—I actually—I'll look it up right now. It was this episode where they they landed on this planet for rest and relaxation, and it's and it seems like a paradise. And there's all these people running around and like feathered hair, and they're all in amazing shape and blonde and tan, and like Wesley Crusher is playing, like he's throwing a ball with some of them, and. They throw it to him too far and he runs to grab it and he falls through this like glass greenhouse and everyone's like, Oh my God, we gotta, we gotta kill you now because this is just, we have very strict rules on this planet and now you've violated the rules. So the the punishment is death. It was just like this ridiculous setup with these like absurd looking people and kind of just the whole thing was ridiculous. So I ended up, uh, I ended up doing a, a post on like a very, very niche section of that um, that I thought was actually really good. I think it was, it was almost like operating in the constraints of a shitty episode gave me more creativity. Yeah, so there's a particular point in that episode where Data is answering a question to Captain Picard, and he's data. So he has this tendency to give s- uh, information overload when he talks because he's an Android. And there's a when Picard is like, can you please organize it into brief answers to my questions? And I was like, okay, that is the lesson right there. So I don't, I mean, I, I don't have to talk about like a, a bunch of utopian fitness freaks sent to Wesley to death. Like I can talk about this very, very tiny snippet um, because I do think, In startups, you see a a lot of people who think that there's a a correct way to deliver information. Almost like the higher up in business you go, or the more professional "quote unquote" you are, the more pressure you feel to say things in like a jargony way. I think the reverse is true. Like you should fight jargon and try to be crisp and not use acronyms and confusing things. Um, So I talked about that, and I and I talked about this. one of my uh, heroes, who's a professor from HBS, her name is Frances Fry. And she's kind of famous as like a, a company fixer. Like in Pulp Fiction, that movie, the, there's this guy, the wolf. And like you call the wolf when you have a body to get rid of. Like Fry is the wolf for, for tech companies. Like Uber called them in when they're having all of their big time cultural issues. They called her in to, to fix them in a year. And she has uh, she has some really interesting things about uh, building trust that she talks about. And one of the things she talks about is starting with your point and then adding the facts behind it. So in other words, make your point up front, then then support it. And she makes this point that um, from what she has seen, mostly women have that problem where they sort of start with the supporting facts, then conclude with the point. So her whole thing is you need to flip the triangle. So I talked about her and, and examples of that. And um, I thought that was one of the better posts. And it was one of the, the episodes where I sort of stopped for a while and didn't have a good idea. But it was a single
0: line that led to the lesson. What if all of us entered our professional lives bringing our entire selves with us, enthusiastically and without shame, or some sort of preconceived notion of how to act in a job setting? Now, okay, there are some rules we need to follow in order to maintain a functioning and effective workplace. We can't all run around business meetings wearing bathing suits or riding unicycles because as fun as work can be, it still has to be work and not a beach carnival. And it's important to maintain a level of empathy and awareness about the language we use so as to not offend or hurt people. But expressing our interests? As far as I can see, and as Sarah Downey is living proof, it only helps fuel the inspiration fire. Bringing the things that make you tick outside of work into your work help give you the moments of joy and excitement that, get this, are a pretty surefire antidote to stagnation. Just put out
1: who you are and don't be afraid
0: to do that because you attract the people who like you, and that's really all that matters. The next time you're worried about using a reference that sounds too nerdy or too artsy or too anything other than quote-unquote normal... Instead of shutting down your impulses, think about how bringing your whole self to your work might give you those invaluable bits of inspiration in the long run. When you approach your work through your uber unique lens, you'll probably find those key points that your colleagues aren't talking about, the ones that inspire you to commit to your task in the first place. So with that in mind, live long and prosper. Unthinkable is me, Tally Gabriel, and Jay Acunso. A giant thank you to Jay for helping me create this episode on my own. It was an awesome process. And a giant thank you to him for introducing me to Sarah Downey. Another giant thank you to Sarah for talking with me and making me want to become a truckie yet. This season at Unthinkable, we're exploring this idea of consistent creativity, of how to keep creating something that's refreshing and interesting to your audience over and over again. So keep tuning in because we have some really exciting guests that are doing this in some really, really excellent, cool ways coming up in the next coming weeks. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.